You are listening to the Father's House podcast located in Owensboro, Kentucky. For more information, visit thefathershouseky.com. It's all right with Blake. It's all that matters. Amen. By the way, we don't normally just take up, if you're new here, we don't just normally take up offerings for the pastor. It is Pastor Appreciation Month. Okay, so that's not just a normal thing. Some of you are thinking, what kind of church is this? Man, it's so good to be back in this house. And so I just want to share something just to give some confirmation, uh, Miss Faye, for what you were saying. So uh, in order for you to, how many of you actually picked up what she was sharing? Raise your hand. You have to really be paying attention to what God's doing here to pick up what she's saying. And, and this morning, Miss Faye, if, you, if anybody was watching me down here, I picked up my Bible. I picked up my other Bible. And God kept speaking to me, and he kept speaking to me something about 1-8. Chapter 1, verse 8. And I, I felt like it was Joshua. And I went to Joshua. And then 1, 8 and 9. And he talked about be strong and courageous and, and take the land. And I mean, my goodness. So I just really, we just receive that. We come into agreement. That, 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 that we are take, we're coming to that, that place of, of possession of taking ground. Amen. That like this, like this, uh, this article says right here that this is prophetic, that it's a new direction. And that's what we're seeing. Instead of wandering around for years, we're stepping into that place. And I really believe that is the word of the Lord. And so I, I, I read that this morning. I was reading that during worship, and God was just encouraging me on 1 8, Joshua 1 8. And then you get up here and, and literally say Deuteronomy 1 8 and Joshua 1 8 and 9. It's pretty amazing. Uh, that, that God will give you confirmation and God will speak to you. The Bible says that the prophets, they only hear in part and see in part. So I just had a part of it and then you had the whole thing. So I just appreciate you, Miss Faye, and all of our prophetic people that, that hear the Lord. And even though it might sound weird and crazy sometimes that you, you speak out and, and go after that and, and be willing to be wrong or to miss things. But today, awesome. Thank you so much. So, so, so good. So, 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 so good. So, anyway, it's good to be back here. Uh, I preached at a Hispanic uh, youth camp, which was fun. Nothing like the gospel and tacos. Come on, somebody. My goodness. The most anointed place I've ever been in my life. Tacos and, and fajitas and the gospel. I was like, man, sorry, Crestwood. This has got it going here. So, anyways, it was awesome. I had a really good time. Um, so I actually haven't been gone for a few weeks. I was just gone on Sundays. And then the last Sunday, me and my wife, we got an amazing opportunity. And I can honestly say that I got to check out mentally from work for about nine days, which was really, really good. And, uh, and be with my family and be present. And some of y'all are saying, man, I hope you guys got rest. And I'm like, you're sweet, but we have three toddlers that we took on a vacation, okay? <laughs> we, I don't know if you know, but like my 13-year-old, it's like, hey, go to the water park, have fun. My other three toddlers are like, hey, we got to stay within a 10-foot radius so they don't drown, right? So it's not really the most restful thing. If you really want me and my wife to have rest, come watch our kids. <laughs> For any amount of time, not all of you. That doesn't go out to all of you. Some of y'all crazy. But... Uh, Hey, that's why you're here, right? Amen? That's why you came. We're all a little crazy. <laughs> oh, praise Jesus. So, I was in Orlando. We had such a good time. Just really got to do a lot of first things for our family. It was really a God trip for us, and it was so good. But I went to a church called Nation's Church with Daniel Kalinda. How many of you heard of Reinhard Bonnke, Daniel Kalinda? And I'm telling you, it was awesome, but I missed the Father's house, to be really honest. 
There was a lot of good things about it. And there's Eddie James, he's cool and all, whatever. But man, I miss the worship here. I miss this house. And it was so, so good. Come on, can we give it up for our worship team this morning? It keeps on getting better and better. Amen? And so this morning, oh man, last week, there was so much to talk about. How many of you are here with Robbie Atwood? I don't know, pastor, apostle, teacher, I don't know what to call him, man of God. And my goodness, I, I love that man. I, I love him so much. We have such a, uh, just, a, 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 I don't know how to explain it. I guess the spiritual, like a kindred spirit, if you will. We're just close and we're, we're going after the same things. And man, if you missed last week's message, I'm telling you, I cannot preach about the Father's heart any better than that, I promise you. <laughs> It was so good. It was so, so good. Go back and listen to that if you missed that. And so we're going to continue talking about our Father and talking about the characteristics and the nature of our God. Amen? How many of you know we want to know Him? Like the Apostle Paul said, I, I want to know Him. I don't just want to know about Him. I want to know Him personally. And, and I believe that everything falls under, like the way that you walk with Christ and the way that you, uh, your example to the world all depends on actually how you see the Father and how you see Him and what you think He thinks about you. Amen? Because how many of you know the Bible says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself? How many of you know it's going to be hard to love the Lord your God if you think that he's just some crazy distant God who just wants to discipline you? And it's going to be hard to love your neighbor as yourself if you don't love yourself because you don't accept yourself. So the devil comes in to get a distorted view of God and who you are so you, can't, so you just completely cannot fulfill the greatest commandments. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is why this is so important. This is why we're continuing to talk about who God is and who we are. Because if you can get this stuff figured out, you'll be full of faith, you'll be a worshiper, and you will be a good example to who Jesus is to the world around you. And maybe even you'll begin to actually know how to love someone else because you know how to love yourself. That's one of the main issues. We don't, we don't know how to love because we don't know that we're loved. I believe that's shifting in this house. I believe it's shifting in a bunch of your lives that you're beginning to see God in a new way and you're beginning to see who you are in a new way. Amen? Getting out of this idea that we're just, well, we're just a bunch of sinners trying to make it. What a bunch of garbage. We're sons. And you know why people say that? It's because they want an excuse to sin and not change. Let's just be real this morning. Y'all, I'm sorry. I'm back. <laughs> We, we say things like that because we want excuses to sin and just stay the same and say, well, that's just, well, we're just sinners, pastor. You know it. Right after we just explained how we are struggling with sin. My Bible says we're no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. They actually, the Bible says, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. Man, this is good news, church. So, so good. Can we pray? This is awesome, by the way. Thank you so much. And then there's another one down there. Man, this is so good. I was literally, this is all so prophetic. I was looking at a friend of mine's office and I was a little jealous. And behind his desk, he had all these cool plaques. So come on, somebody. And now I got three or four. <laughs> and I was like, man, I want my office to look like that. And then boom, I come to church. I got four pictures to hang out. Come on. Come on. And they're not just plaques of me. 
of what the Lord's doing. Amen? And what he's doing is awesome. It's so, so good. So, so good. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are amazing. You're good. You're loving. You're kind. You're gentle. You're slow to anger. You're slow to speak, God. You are everything that we see in Jesus. Father, I invite and say, come Holy Spirit and rest on us even more. God, I pray that you'd give their people ears to hear and eyes to see. God, we worship you. Jesus, we thank you. And Holy Spirit, come and dwell in this place. We bless you, King Jesus. God, speak through me this morning and give your people eyes to see and ears to hear. Help us to be willing to receive anything you have for us today. In Jesus' mighty name. Can you put your hands out like this? Say this with me. I receive... Anything that's from Jesus. Amen. Come on. Isn't that a good invitation? Notice I didn't say anything from Mike. So, we're going to be talking about, I want to, it's going to be a while this morning. Y'all cool with that? I'm just kidding. I really, I want to be obedient. I always want to be obedient to what God really puts in my heart. So the Lord really put on my heart the story of the prodigal son. I mean, you know the story. I mean, you know the story in the Bible. It's actually only found in one of the gospels in Luke chapter 15. If you want to go there, you can. Luke 15. How many of you have an actual physical Bible? Come on. Raise it up in the air. Look at you guys. Now, don't be judgmental of the people who don't. Yeah, that's right. Right here. (laughs) Good for you. There is something special, though, about a physical Bible. There just is. Something you put your hands on the Word of God. It's really, really good. So if you go to Luke chapter 15. So today, uh, we know the story of the prodigal son. In a lot of your Bibles, the the title over that scripture will say the prodigal son, or it will say the wayward son, the reckless son. But William Barclay, a theologian, and even, I believe, a better name of that story is not about the prodigal son, but the title of that story should be the story of a loving father. That that story is actually about the father. It's not about, we put all the emphasis on the son, but let's look at the verse. In verse one, I'm gonna read this to you. It's, it's quite a bit of scripture here, so just bear with me, okay? This parable's pretty long. And then I just wanna kinda get through this. You know, my, my goal today, guys, is that, my goal today is that if you're a prodigal or if you've been running from the Lord, that you will repent today and return home to the father's house. And then if you're the older brother or the jealous brother that's, that, that doesn't know how to celebrate when someone gets celebrated, that you'll repent today and come into the Father's house. <laughs> Did you hear what I said? There's two people in the story. But I want to start first by talking about the Father. So let's read this. It's kind of long. I'm reading out of the Amplified Version. Come on, somebody. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, listen, we got a bunch of kids. If your kids are crying, we love you. It's awesome. Hey, man, we know what it's like. Ain't that right, Maddie? So he said in verse 11, then he said, this is Jesus speaking, a certain man had two sons. There you go. It's talking, the story talks about this man, this person. It's not talking about the son. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, so this man was a father, father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the estate between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and traveled to a distant country. There he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Somebody say, I've done that. Now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country. And he began to do without and be in need. 
So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He would have gladly eaten the carob pods that the pigs were eating, but they could not satisfy his hunger and no one was giving him anything to eat. But when he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men or servants have more than enough food while I am dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and was moved with compassion. Somebody say compassion. For him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him a ring for his or his hand and sandals for his feet and bring the fattened calf and slaughter it and let us invite everyone celebrate for this son of mine who was as good as dead is alive again. He was lost and has been found and to celebrate. This is awesome story of a father, right? Now let's look at what the son does. Now his older son was in the field and when he returned and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. So he summoned one of the servants and began asking, what, is this, what does this celebration mean? And he said to him, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he said to his father, look, these many years I've served you. And I've never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me so much as a young goat. So that I might, excuse me, so that I might celebrate with my friends. Come on, some of you parents in here. What if your kid asked you to buy him a goat so he can party with his friends? But when this other son of yours arrived, who has devoured your estate with immoral woman, basically who has dishonored you and the family, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours, but it is fitting to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was as good as dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. A lot of scripture. How many of you, when's the last time you've actually read through that whole parable? You know what I mean? For me, it's kind of been a little while. I actually read it verse by verse and I believe the Lord just told me to really just, I'm just gonna go after this this morning and kind of break this down for us. I don't usually do this, but that's what I'm gonna do. Let's go to verse 11. Then he said, a certain man had two sons. The younger of them inappropriately said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that falls to me. So he divided the state together. So here's a loving father with his two kids. And one of, them, one of them wants to do something inappropriate. He wants to say, give me all my stuff so I can have it now. And this is the perfect picture of God the Father that he allows us to make stupid decisions. He allows us that God does not want robots. God does not force us to make good decisions. Can somebody say amen? We're very aware, right? He doesn't force you to follow him. He doesn't force you to obey him. He doesn't force you to want him. But he lets us have a choice. Even from the garden, we see this with Adam and Eve, that he given us a choice. He gave Adam and Eve a choice because the, rea the reality is that there, if there is no choice involved in love, then it has no value. If, there, if there's no choice involved in the love that you give, then there's no value in your love. Do you hear what I'm saying? 
But God wanted to create a world where we would have to choose him in the midst of other things. And you see this where God could have stepped in and God could step, don't you wish sometimes that God would just not allow you to make stupid decisions? Wouldn't that be nice? When God just forced you constantly to make every right decision, but that's not what he does. He's a father, just like parenting. I know as a parent to my 13 year old, I'm sitting there thinking, man, I wish I could just somehow supernaturally come in and just make sure you make the right decision at Davis County Middle School today. You know what I mean? I know that my friend or my kid goes to play with another friend. I wish somehow I could come in and, and make him make good decisions. But I realized that what, that what would he learn in that? There wouldn't be any real value in his obedience if we didn't have a choice to disobey. And that's the beauty of our love for God is that we get a choice to say, God, even in the midst of every other option, I still just want you. In the midst of our marriages, that's the beauty, is that we don't have to stay in the covenant marriage, but we make a choice to say, I'm never going to turn my heart away from you. I could, but I'm not going to because I love you. And that's what God does. It's kind of crazy. God doesn't step in and just force us to make good decisions. He wants us to learn. And I heard a wise person say once, you can learn from somebody else's mistakes or you can learn from your mistakes. I'm like, dang, I sure the heck learned from my own. (laughs) Man, that sucked. Right? We want our kids to learn from our mistakes, not their own, right? Not as bad, at least. Does that make sense? So you see, where God allows the son, he allows us to go off and do our own things. And it says, a few days later, in verse 13, the younger son gathered together everything that he had and traveled a distant country, and he wasted his fortune in reckless and immoral living. Isn't it crazy how the devil comes in to deceive you when you are under the perfect care of a loving father and he convinces you that you need something else? He convinces you, just like he did to Adam and Eve in the garden. What did he do? He convinced them that they were, they were lacking something. The devil came in and convinced you that you're, you're lacking something. Basically saying this, that God does not have all that you need. It is a lie from hell to think that God does not have everything that we need. And that's what we do, right? We go out and try to enjoy worldly things, trying to find pleasure in something where actually God's the only thing that satisfies. Right? Have you ever noticed that sometimes when you're in a rough place and you're going through some hard stuff, some hard junk in your life, it's so easy to run to worldly things, to do mindless things, get on Facebook. I think one of the biggest things that we can deal with as believers is knowing, or, or who, let me ask you this, what are the things that you escape to? When you're struggling, do you escape to the TV? Do you escape to a video game? Do you escape to being busy? I gotta go do something. I gotta go work in the garage. Or when you're struggling and doing what you know you're not supposed to be doing, you're in a hard place, life is crashing down, do you escape to him? Do you go to Jesus? Do you do what Jesus said in Matthew 11? He said, come to me. All you here are weary and heavy laden. Because I can tell you as your pastor, there's been a lot of times where I don't go to him. I turn a video game on or I turn a, a show on or I, I just get on Facebook and I, I just wanna, I wanna escape my reality so I get into another reality instead of going to the only one who can fix my problems truly. 
the only one who actually has an answer. And it's crazy, even as a pastor, I can struggle and I can forget that no, I'm not lacking anything in my father's house. When I'm in his presence, it's actually fullness of joy. That's what I need. And it's so cool that when God comes or when you run back to him, how he responds. And we'll see that to us later. We'll see that here in a few verses. Verse 14, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country and he began to do without and be in need. So he went and forced himself on one of the citizens of the country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. So let me remind you that pigs were unclean to the Jewish people. This, let's put it this way. The ones who worked with the pigs were not even allowed to be around the Jews at all, even though the ones who worked there. So this is not only did he, he ruin his inheritance, but now he's like doing the, the lowest job. It's almost, sorry if your kids are in here, but it's almost like you left your family, you left the church, and if you're a girl, you became a stripper. If you're a guy, you became a stripper. You went to the lowest place. <laughs> you did the worst thing you can do. You became a prostitute. You did the, one of the most dishonoring thing towards your parents. I mean, this is a, a, not just, oh, he went and just fed some pigs, because some of us literally have jobs to feed pigs, and it's a great job for you. Awesome. But to them, this was a disgrace. So he found himself ruining everything and he found himself being a complete disgrace to his family. And it says no one was giving him anything to eat. But I love verse 17. It says, but when he finally came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food while I'm dying of hunger? Verse 17 says he came to his senses. How many of you have had a moment when you got born again where you came to your senses? Where you realized that you were walking your own direction? For me, that was in jail cell in September 2013 in North Carolina, where I finally had this revelation. I was at where that son was at. My life was ruined. I had nothing. I was addicted. I was afflicted. I was depressed. I had all the stuff I thought I wanted. I ruined it. But I had this moment where I finally came to my senses that, man, I know God loves me. I know he could save me. I know it's better working for him. I know he can clean me up. I came to my senses. And some of us, you might be here today and maybe you don't even have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you've known about God your whole life and you've been running from him or maybe you're watching online and it's you. Today, the Lord is saying, would you come to your senses and realize that you're lacking nothing in the Father's presence and everything else will lead to ruin. The Bible says that the gate is is narrow that leads to eternal life, but is broad and wide that leads to destruction. It's real, it's real easy. Guys, it's really easy to go to hell. Just, just live for yourself. Do what makes you feel good. Do what you want to do. But the, the central message of Jesus was lose your life. Lose your life. <laughs> like Bob Sorge says, lose it in fasting, lose it in serving, lose it in giving, lose it in being generous, lose it in reading the Bible, lose it in worship. Lose your life for him and you'll find it. Whew. Man. Or we'll end up like the prodigal, which we all have done, and we find ourselves trying to indulge in worldly things, and then we realize, man, crap, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Has anybody ever been in a place where you thought, man, how did I get here? How did I get back here? Even as a Christian, man, how did I get here? I'm so full of fear. I'm so hopeless. I'm so full of envy and jealousy. Man, how did I get here? You stopped losing yourself in serving. You stopped losing yourself in his word. You stopped losing yourself in worship. Start to get to our own things and say, hey, can I have my inheritance and just run away? 
Verse 22. Oh, excuse me. And the son said to him, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going too far. Father, when he finally came to his senses, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough food? In verse 17. While I am dying here of hunger. Did you know a hired servant, so I want you to look at this for a second. The family, the Jewish family, the actual household slave was almost basically a part of the family. So it was like a higher rank, if you will, than the hired servant. The hired servant could be let go at any time. The hired servant could be, it's just in a day's notice, you're gone. But the household slave was even closer to the family. And here's this son, like most of us can do, who's saying, man, at least, maybe I could just go and at least be at the lowest place in God's kingdom. Very humble. Very humble way to come to the Lord in repentance, right? And he says in verse 18, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. How many of you know it's one thing to, to play it over in your head, but it's another thing to actually go repent? <laughs> some of you need to repent to some people. You need to repent to the Lord. You need to repent to some others. And it's one thing, you've been playing it over in your head for years and years and years, but it's time to actually get up and go. Amen. And I saw something on Facebook the other day. It said uh, uh, something about, it says, stop trying to uh, figure out the conversation in your head and just return to your father. <laughs> just go, just come home. And I love this, he, he says uh, in verse 20, so he got up and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, and this is a beauty, this is the main part I really want you to get about all this, about the father. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. There's so many of us, how do we see the lost and the broken? <laughs> How do we see the drug addict? How do we see the homeless person? How do you see some of your family that are being idiots? Sorry for that word. How do you see them? When you see them, do you see compassion like Jesus did when he saw the crowds? It's that he looked on them and saw compassion, but they were like a sheep without shepherds. Guys, we have to change our view of broken, lost people. We have to come into the father's view. This father had every right to be upset, correct? He had every right to say, man, you're nasty. Oh, well, here comes Mike. <sighs> Hope he's not thinking he can come back in my house. Hope he's not thinking I'm just gonna let him walk back in here. Did you see he's with the pigs? He's the nastiest. He's done the worst thing he could have done to this family. But it says the father saw him a long way off, which kind of makes it seem like he was looking for him. Like he was waiting. Like he was standing, if man, if my son was gone and missing, you best believe I'd be at the end of the driveway. I'd be at the top of the highest place in Davis County and I'd be looking for him. <sighs> my goodness. <sighs> Church, we got to get to a place where we're standing and we're starting to look for the lost to come that we're anticipating our broken family members to come, that we're expecting God to answer our prayers and for our sons to come home, for our sisters to come home, for your brother to come home, for the lost to come home. And it says he had compassion on him when he saw him. Man. Listen to me. 
If you don't have compassion on broken people, you need to get alone with God and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what stuff in you is actually broken. What rejection, what walls you got built up, what hardness you have built up, what, what uh, roots, well, they're just always gonna be that way. I don't see that in this story. You need to get alone and say, God, what is, what is blocking me from having compassion? I wanna love like you, Jesus, what is it? And a lot of times God will show us, I'm gonna tell you the number one thing of not having compassion is bitterness. Bitterness will ruin your life and the people around you from seeing Jesus. Amen. Get rid of it. You know, how, you know how I like to think of problems and issues in my life? I like to think of it very black and white. If I know that it's a work of the devil, I don't want any agreement with it. If I know it's not from God, if I know that it's not what he wants from me, I can draw a line in the sand and say, this is not gonna stand. I don't wanna have to waver. If I know that God says, Mike, don't be bitter. Mike, forgive. Mike, have compassion. I'm like, well, I don't know. That person, no, no, no. I let the word of God confront me and what I think. And I say, man, I can see, man, the devil's trying to scourge me. And I know to say, no, 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 you're not gonna scourge me. I know the devil wants me to be bitter towards my wife, towards my kids, towards you, towards anyone else. I know that's his plan. And I'd be a fool to sit back and let his plan come to pass. But that's what we do, right? It's because we run away from the answer instead of running towards the answer. I'm not saying it's easy to forgive, guys. I'm not saying it's easy, but man. Another quote, I don't know who said this. He said, the most, the most powerful person, the person who has the most influence in your life are the ones you haven't forgiven. We gotta get to a place where we be like the Father. Here's the good news, guys. Our parents, our friends, even each other, we might not be like this Father all the time, but our Father in heaven is always like this. He's always full of compassion. He's always full of mercy. He's always full of love. He's, the Bible says, surely his goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. You know that word actually for follows me? It means pursues me. That means it's pursuing you. It's coming after you. It's not just following you around. God is literally pursuing you with goodness and mercy. Our Father in heaven is merciful and full of grace and compassion, even when we're not. Can somebody say amen? And it says, and he ran and embraced him and kissed him. When's the last time, man, for one, it was odd for men in that culture to run anywhere. But best believe if one of my kids is at the end of the driveway, I'm going to start running. And then you notice that he didn't just, oh, here he comes, but not even more than that. He was affectionate to him. Our father is an affectionate father. Most of us have no idea what it's like to have an affectionate father. Can we be real? Well, he was a good man. You know what? Just because he worked a good job doesn't mean he was a good man. Woo! I'm gonna go after some sacred cows today. Just because he paid the bills didn't mean he was a good man. Are we, we got to a place where we're so scared to tell the real truth and the real pain and the real story of why people are the way they are. He embraced him, he kissed him. 
Dads, let me talk to you. Kiss your kids. Embrace your kids. Not just your daughters. Listen, have y'all seen my 13-year-old son? He's like right here. He, he wishes he was here. I hope he doesn't get there in Jesus' name. I'm just kidding. Because I'll never hear the end of it. My God. That's all he tells me all. Every single day, about 30 times a day, he's standing up beside me like this. You're short, Dad. I'm like, shut up. You're freaking 5'8", okay? You're probably gonna stay there. I'll curse you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> my prayers are powerful, son. No. <laughs> my son... My son will still snuggle with me. And if you were at my house, he don't care to do it in front of you either. Because our Father in heaven, we, the church has given God a bad name that he is just this just, serious, tough God who puts discipline out in a hammer. And actually, we have Jesus describing the Father right here that he runs and kisses with affection. I still believe that song is true, the healer, that God is melting old mindsets like the sun against the snow, and that's happening right now in this room. He's melting mindsets. He's renewing your mind to know who God is in a different way. I'm not saying that he doesn't discipline. I'm saying that he's also affectionate. Amen? Dads, kiss your kids. Not on the mouth if they're older, because it's weird. Me and Carter are past that stage, okay? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Come on, you can laugh a little this morning. My Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen? All right, here we go. We got 10 minutes. Then y'all are gonna go to the buffet, right? The longer we last, the longer we last, the more people be leaving, right? You got to think about things. What now? Perspective. Thank you very much. So he kissed him. Be affectionate. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Isn't that crazy how that's how we come to God sometimes? We're like, man, I'm so, so sorry. All this guilt and shame and condemnation, right? Man. When you make mistakes, church, you don't have to come anymore with guilt and shame and condemnation. And look how he responds to him. He says, I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy of your son. He says, but the father said to his servants, quickly bring out the best. It's almost as if, did you notice that he didn't even respond to him? He says, I've sinned against you. And all his dad says is, hey, quickly bring out the rope. It's almost as if he's like, hey, be quiet. We're going to celebrate. You're here. You came home. You return. And he says, bring, bring out the best robe for the guest of honor and put it on him and give him a ring for his hand and sandals to his feet. A ring was a seal of sonship. A robe was a thing of honor and sandals. That's how the Lord humbles me. Sandals implies that maybe he even became a slave while he was gone. And what they would do in that culture when they were slaves, they would take their shoes. And when they were free, they'd give them back. Man, that's me. Some of y'all thought slavery started in America. No, no, no. 
and they would take their shoes. He comes and gives them sandals back to show him not only, hey, listen, here's a ring, you're my son. Here's a robe, I honor you. And here's some sandals, you're free. Come on. Oh, man. So good. Man, I really believe the Lord just really wants to speak that over a lot of you today. He wants to say, hey, here. <laughs> here, Juan, here's, this, here's a ring. You're my son. Here, Chris, here's a robe. I honor you. Here, Alyssa, here's some shoes. You're free. <laughs> he wants us to understand that. He wants us to know that we're worthy of honor. That he loves us, right? This is the Father, and this is his house. I want you to know who he is at this church. Bring out the best robe, bring it out, and bring the fatted calf and slaughter, and let us invite everyone and feast and celebrate for the son of mine was as good as dead and is alive again. Let this church be just like this father's house. Did you hear me? Let this church be exactly like this father's house. When one person gets saved, we celebrate. <laughs> That we know how to honor. That we come in, we're, let it, don't listen. If you're tired of hearing about people getting saved and people getting healed, you need to get back in the secret place with God and realize who's hurt you, forgive them, release them, and give them glory. Man. Praise the Lord. Get out of, Man. You know, one thing I'm realizing in our grow nights, you know what a grow nights has done for me? It's made me realize that everybody's at a different part in their walk with Jesus. And a lot of people are not aware of the part that they're at. <laughs> right? Some people are, some people are not. It's made me realize that, man, how much freedom God's people still need. Born again Christians are still not walking in freedom. They're still in bondage. And I'm gonna tell you, if it takes us five years, 10 years, 20 years, we're going after freedom in this house. And we're gonna destroy bondage off of your life. I'm telling you, it's, it's gonna be the main thing we do because when you get chains broken off of you, you could actually go help somebody break theirs. Man. Man, I'm happy to be here. I really am. This just means so much to me. Maddie was right. There's a different spirit in this room. There's faith in this room. Yeah. Mm -mm -mm. It's a new season, Miss Faye. Here we go. Now his older brother was in the field, and when he returned, and some of one of the servants began asking, what did the celebration mean? And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But the elder brother became angry and deeply resentful. Somebody say, that's not me. That's not me. Come on, say it again. That's not, me. that's not me. And was not willing to go in. What in the world? This is what I expect from my three-year-old. I ain't gonna lie, we had a Redding's birthday party the other day and it was just my brother and family and uh, Maddie's close family. And my only, my biggest concern is that I don't know how Mercy's gonna take this. <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens, you know what I mean? And she did great. She, she did great. It was just so surprising. Uh, but she did great. Have you ever been to certain part? Little kids, they don't know better. 
They don't know better. Someone else says, what do you mean? This, this is not about me. <laughs> this is what we expect. No offense, church. This is what we expect from toddlers and teenagers. But we have to be able to come to a place and say, all right, really where I'm at. Have you ever heard of the book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality? We're about to get like 600 copies here. And that book will give you a test. And if you answer it truthfully and genuinely, it will tell you where you're at emotionally on a bunch of different topics. And man, oh man, it will say you're an emotional infant in this area, an emotional uh, child, an emotional adolescent, or an emotional adult in this area. And I'm like, dang. First time I took that test, I was an adolescent, I think in four areas. And one of them was barely. It was closer to the child one. <laughs> and I was like, dang, that's tough. But how many of you know that you gotta be aware of where you are to get out of it? <laughs> it's really, really good. And you see how God responds to us when we're aware of what we are and we say, God, forgive me. I messed up. I've, I'm not in a good place. He says, oh, it's fine. I love you. Let's have a party. God loves to party. Come on, say it, say it out loud. God loves to party. Some of you are like, I don't, I don't know about that. Well, we just read it. It's in the Bible. If you read the Old Testament, have you seen all the parties he had? They would have seven-day parties. With dancing and eating. Man, maybe we need to get back to some of these feast parties, amen? <laughs> maybe we need to get back to having a seven-day party. I know we always do a yearly fast. Maybe we need to have a seven-day, a 21-day feast. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. We'll invite all the believers from 100 miles out. <laughs> That's a Bible joke. Some of you get it. Some of you don't. <laughs> Worship team, could you come? Here we go. And as older feet are heavy, blah, 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 blah. Verse 29. But he said to his father, look, these many years I've served you. And I never neglected or disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me so much as a young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. It's basically like one of your lost kids comes home and you buy him a brand new car. And you bought your kid that's always been on good terms with you, a 97 Toyota. <laughs> that's what I have. Come on, somebody. It's a great car. <laughs> but let's all be honest. In different parts of our walk, we can find ourselves in both places of these sons in the story. We can be the prodigals so that's just running away from God. Or maybe you're here and you're not even born again. Or maybe you've just been venturing out and running away from him. Or we can be the, the brother who says, look, dad, all this stuff, I've, all, I've never turned my back on you. He says, dad, you've never given me anything. He says, but when this other son of yours arrived, he has devoured your estate with immoral women. He slaughtered, you slaughtered the fattened calf. You threw the biggest party for him. The father said to him, son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. But it was fitting to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead, has become alive. He was lost and has been found. You ever notice, a few weeks ago, I brought Chris up on the stage. 
because we want to celebrate what God has done in his life. But there's that part of some of us that we can be honest. We're like, well, they never brought me on the stage. Just because I wasn't a drug addict. I don't have a cool enough testimony to get on the stage. How many of you know as a parent, I don't want my kids to have my testimony. I want them to be able to say, man, my parents love the Lord. My parents serve the Lord. And listen, we have to come to an awareness, guys. If you've already been saved, if God has already celebrated in heaven because you've been born again, you have to come to an awareness. So listen, church, if you're here today and you do not have a relationship with the Father, you do not have a relationship with the God of heaven, that you need to repent of your sins. And maybe today you come to your senses and say, man, God, I need to live a different route. If you need to be saved today, today is the day of salvation. Or maybe you've been running from God. Maybe you've been far away from Him. A loving, merciful Father awaits you today. And He wants to come running to you. I can see Him running down this aisle. And He wants to give you a ring and a robe and put shoes on your feet. He wants to honor you and celebrate you again. And maybe you're the older brother. Maybe you've been jealous of people and jealous of sinners. And maybe you just need to repent and say, God, forgive me and help me to be grateful that I'm already yours. Can we close our eyes in this place? Heavenly Father, will you speak to the hearts of your people right now? Wherever they may land in this story today, Father, if they're prodigals that need to come home, if they need salvation, God, I pray that you would get on their heart right now, that they would get out of their seat, God, that they would be, there's an urge to come and to ask for forgiveness, to repent, and you would honor them this morning.
against the guilt and shame and the rejection of people off of your people right now in Jesus' name. Anybody else, if you need to come home, we want to pray with you. If you need to give your life to Jesus, I want you to come now. Today is the day. Let's just pray for one another. Heavenly Father, we bless you. We honor you. God, we pray that you would go deep in the hearts of your people, that you would bless them and bless their families, that God, that you would do an awesome work in everybody in this room, Jesus. We pray for their health right now, God, that you would heal any diseases or brokenness or pain. We bless marriages. We bless our spouse right now, Jesus. Bless us as fathers, God. Help us equip your men to be a loving, affectionate father. And we honor you in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, can we put our hands together for the Lord this morning? Come on, Jesus. All right, if you need prayer for anything at all before you go, we welcome you to come. Bless you guys.